0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. If you think this show is bad now, you ought to look for the rare, hard-to-find disco remix. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast And I'm your host, Brian Levine and remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show In uh, this week's episode, we have an Ask the Pipe Maker segment with uh, Jeff Grasic And then my guest is uh, Sassini collector Brian Silverman So we get another collector's point of view uh, music, Mailbag, Rant, all the regular stuff coming up on uh, this week's show. And uh, remember, if you get a chance, um, hey, well, first of all, we had a little oopsie with last week's show on uh, loading up on iTunes. And it looks like we got that fixed or that was on the uh, on the bonus show. Um, also understand we're having problems with Stitcher, so maybe Stitcher can fix themselves. We don't know what the problem is. But uh, if you're on iTunes, we are at uh, 296 as of recording time, 296 ratings uh, ratings on there, and I would love to make a push for 300. So if you haven't had a chance, a rating and a review on iTunes would be absolutely wonderful. Also, uh, JDRF auction—we are gathering stuff up, and uh, don't know exactly when we're going to run it, but we'll uh, we'll get it run. If you have anything you'd like to donate, reach out to me, Brian at PipesMagazine We will uh, we will definitely do that. And uh, coming up over the next uh, two months, maybe got a special uh, a special series of interviews that are. Uh, I'm calling it Ask the Experts, and uh, more on that next week when we premiere number one of those, so look forward to that. Some of your favorite and more uh, experienced and expert people in the pipe and tobacco world will be answering the same questions, so that's going to be fun. All right, let's get the show rolling, so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go.
1: There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corn corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com.
0: And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show for an Ask the Pipe Maker segment with the pipe maker. Jeff Graysick. Jeff, welcome back.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah. And uh sad we're not, you know, not dealing with the Chicago Pipe Show, but um, you know, hey, we are we're 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 handling it the best we can, right? We are. We'll all stay safe this year
1: and uh we'll get back together next year.
0: Yeah. So here's the question for you, and this comes from Charlie. And Charlie writes, uh, not pertaining to pipes with filters. I've read and been told you should never take your pipe apart except on occasion for deep cleaning. Others say you should pull the stem off every time and clean it. Wondering what Jeff's view on this. I have several pipes that I did purchase new all over $150 and have only smoked them six or seven times and I've yet to pull the stems off. So what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, Well, I think this is a good question. This kind of fits into the category of pipe myths or (laughs) the tales told by the experienced guys in your local pipe shop. (laughs) And as I think many of my previous answers would suggest, I am not one to argue with someone's experience. If this is how you've done it and this is how it works and these are the results that you associate with it, I'm not going to argue with that. (laughs) What I will say from my experience is that it doesn't make a bit of difference. You can take your pipe apart every time if you want to, or you can take it apart never. Ideally, the pipe would be one piece from button to the end of the bowl. And the reason that would be good is that you would have an uninterrupted flow of air all the way through it. There would be no little cavities or anything for gunk to drip into and build up and start getting funky. One of the reasons that I would suggest that someone take their pipe apart, at least on occasion. Now, this isn't from my own example. I, I am. This is a do as I say, not as I do <laughs> example. I don't disassemble my pipes unless they're in desperate need of it. And I don't clean my pipes unless they're in desperate need of it, or I have to be seen in public and am too embarrassed to be seen with the pipe (laughs) that I have in the condition that it's in.
0: Yes. The, the, the shoemaker, the shoemaker's children who have no shoes.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I have pipes. They're just very, very poorly taken care of. So why I would recommend someone disassemble their pipe to clean it is that there is a very, at least in my work, there is a very small gap at the bottom of the mortise between the end of the tenon and the bottom of the mortise. Yeah. And we leave this there because there's naturally going to be some expansion of the materials when, you, when the pipe goes through heat cycles as you use it. The heat and the moisture will cause the mortise to change in dimensions and the tenon to change in dimensions. And as they expand toward one another, it will (laughs) slightly push out the mouthpiece. And if you don't, that is, that will happen if you don't leave a small gap. I'm talking about a hundredth of an inch or something like this. The problem with leaving this gap is that it can fill up with tobacco juice. And over time it will have that same heat, heat cycle expansion and will slowly push out the mouthpiece. So this is a long way, long explanation to get at the <laughs> fact that you should disassemble your pipe to clean the bottom of the mortise with a doubled over pipe cleaner.
0: And I will second that about, uh, about 189%. Uh, because during each smoke, I use a pipe cleaner to run down to the bottom of the bowl and get whatever moisture's in there and kind of clear the mm-hmm. air hole a little bit. I don't care how good the pipe cleaner is the best pipe cleaners in the world are still going to drop off little fuzzies as it's coming in and out of the bowl. So Mm -hmm. if I don't go in there, you know, I may wait for the pipe to cool down a little bit before I pull the stem off because, you know, I'm not a NASCAR, uh, this is not a NASCAR team and I've got to change out and clean the stem real quick and keep the pipe going. Uh, So I'll let it cool down and then I'll get in there and take the stem off and do the doubled over and clean it out and, and get all those pipe fuzzes or little pieces of tobacco that come up in there. Um, would, I, I think if it was me, I'd be a little bit more careful, the more delicate the shank is right. than with it, you know, if you're, if, if you're dealing with a, you know, if you're thinking about like a rich Esserman size pipe, you know, whatever, take it off, you know, Take it off mid smoke and, uh, and, you know, put it back on its tripod and attach a hose to it and you're good to go. Sure.
1: You can clean the bottom of the mortise with a dish rag.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But if you're talking a, a, you know, a really, you know, an elegant little bamboo pipe, you know, that's got a couple of fitments on there. I might wait until I might make sure that I wait until it's cool to do that. Right. But you're also right in that it's important to do it and do it on a regular basis. You know, for, for me, I try to, I try to do it maybe every 10 to 15 bowls where I, I even take some Everclear and run it around inside the mortise just to get that gunk out of there. Cause you can run a bitter what Yeah. You, know, you can, you can run into the possibilities of getting a bitter smoke by leaving junk in there.
1: Exactly. Exactly. As you said, Everclear or denatured alcohol, both of these will help dissolve whatever gunk is built up. And help you get it out. One of the other reasons that I would recommend people do this is not not only for the bad flavors, but over time, as I said, it will the stuff will build up in the bottom of the mortise, and as that occurs, it will the the expansion and contraction of the the walls of the mortise will cause there to be a ridge down at the end of the tenon. And slowly over time, as it keeps pushing the mouthpiece out, that ridge will move up towards the end of the shank. And I can't tell you the number of times that I have repaired pipes, whether my own or of another maker, from uh, a a client who has not taken the mouthpiece out. (laughs) And the mouthpiece slowly moves out. They say this flush fit mouthpiece no longer fits. Why does it no longer fit? And I go down in there and there's a shelf of gunk and expanded mortise, and I have to actually scrape it out or drill it out. And it's a mess.
0: So you could actually build up a cake in that little open spot in there. Exactly. And then I guess if you're building a cake in there, if you get that cake big enough and then you accident, and then you get it warmed up, you could almost, you could probably crack the shank too by the cake expanding. And
1: that would be a bigger boo-boo to deal with. Right. Especially if you try to muscle the mouthpiece in, say, well, damn it. This mouthpiece used to fit. (laughs) Let me see if I can get this to fit again. And you push it down in and that, you know, you could break something. So it could be just your wrist.
0: Don't fill your garage full of junk and then try to park a dump truck in there.
1: Uh, Yeah, exactly. As, as the saying goes.
0: Yeah. Now (laughs) real quick before we end this, because I have this argument all the time with people, when you, when you're shipping a pipe out to a customer, Mm -hmm. it's going to go out priority mail or, or UPS or, you know, armored car delivery, um, Mm -hmm. whatever. Are you shipping the pipe with the stem in the tenant, uh, with the stem attached, or are you separating the stem?
1: Yes, absolutely, with the mouthpiece attached. I honestly don't know why people would ever disassemble a pipe to ship it. I have heard that possibly this is because people have had mouth, like mouthpieces that have broken or shanks that have cracked in shipment. And if that is the case, it's because the box got manhandled or it wasn't <laughs> packed properly, <Yeah. laughs> and it broke because of impact in the same way that you m- that it might break if you dropped the pipe. Don't disassemble your pipe to ship it. Just don't. Thank you. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give you an amen on
0: that one. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Thank you very much. My pleasure. And we'll be back in just a minute this
1: is internet radio a Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations for over 150 years Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making Savinelli is more than a mark they're a way to help you make your mark and like you There can only be one Savinelli.
0: We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining me is a pipe collector who does not make pipes, doesn't sell pipes. He's a pipe collector, and he's got the best name ever, and he's got one of the best collections of pipes that I've ever seen on display at the Chicago Pipe Show, so... Brian Silverman, please welcome to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show.
2: Thanks so much. Glad to be here.
0: All right. So you do spell your name with an I, which is the best way and the only way. Correct.
2: Well, oh, uh, it's the best way. Uh, I, I don't know that it's the only way, but uh, I agree with you on uh, on the best.
0: Okay. There we go. All right. When did you uh, When did you get interested in pipe smoking?
2: Uh. Well, um, I guess I, I had a, a brief foray into pipe smoking when I was in college. Um, back in in those days, uh, you know, you could uh, you could smoke in the classrooms, um, oh. and uh, you know, uh, I guess I, I felt I needed to uh, cultivate an affectation of some sort. And pipe smoking seemed to be uh, right up my alley, and there was a uh, a tobacco shop in walking distance from the school, and uh, I wandered over there, and uh, the uh, the clerk was a very helpful and a nice uh, uh, you know young man, and uh, he helped me pick a pipe and. Uh, I remember he suggested a uh, tin of uh, Balkan Sobrani original mixture,
3: oh, which wow.
2: <laughs> uh, I'd never heard of. But uh, again, I deferred to his uh, uh, suggestions, and um, I was off. Um, I uh, was not really very successful at cultivating the affectation, and uh, it didn't really take. Uh I didn't really start smoking a pipe with any uh, conviction until much later in life. Um, so it was maybe 20 years ago. I'm I'm about to turn 62 now, so uh, I guess it was somewhere in my mid 40s that I uh, that I started smoking a pipe. Um, I'm not sure what possessed
0: me. Yeah, was it think, a mid? Was it a midlife crisis? Well,
2: I've had several of those.
0: Oh, okay, uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: I think it was. I, it was either in an attempt to kick cigarettes, which was uh, one of those stupid things that I started doing in younger days, uh, which I finally successfully did i'm gonna go with that i'll i'll pick a to quit cigarettes
0: now when when you were in college i mean there's a whole bunch of people that probably just fell off their chairs thinking of everybody sitting in the classroom smoking and you know pipes cigarettes cigars were all fine while they were while you were sitting in class uh
2: well i don't remember anyone smoking cigars uh and uh, cigars, as we know, tend to be a, a little bit more uh, obnoxious uh, <laughs> yeah. in the club room. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and pipes were m- not commonplace. Uh, pipes would appear. We we would have uh, twice a week we had evening uh, classes uh, that went from either 7 to 9 or 8 to 10. Uh, and uh, in deference to non-smokers the first hour was a non-smoking hour and the second hour was the smoking hour and at uh, like two minutes before the second hour there would be you know 15 people tapping their cigarettes against the table and fondling <laughs> their matches
3: <laughs> the, the,
2: the... One or two smokers that would uh, be fondling their uh, briars, uh, but the daytime it was all cigarettes. Uh, y- you know, there were just half a dozen ashtrays uh, on the table. Uh, it, they were big, like boardroom tables with chairs all the way around and an instructor at the head of the table. But uh, yeah, the cigarettes were just uh, part of the course.
0: So what was your what was your major in school?
2: Uh well at uh, at this time I, I went to a it was a very small liberal arts school in Annapolis uh called St. John's College and uh it was uh um a uh, m- modeled after sort of the classic uh seven, seven liberal arts uh and there were no majors uh in fact there were no electives um It was a prescribed um, uh, curriculum that uh, went through uh, the great books uh, of history. Uh, So freshman year would start with uh, uh, antiquity. Uh, You know, we studied ancient Greek and uh, the Greek philosophers, the Greek uh, tragedians. uh, uh, We studied... um, Uh, Euclid's uh, for mathematics, uh, Euclid's Elements, and uh, Herodotus for history, and uh, and Homer for literature, and so on and so forth. And then second year, we moved to uh, Romans, uh, the Bible, uh, and so on and so forth, until fourth year, you were uh, studying Einstein and uh, you know Tolstoy and so each year moved through the ages uh so I majored in uh nothing
0: it sounds like a great education for trivia night Uh, I guess so Uh, so what did you end up doing with that as as a career
2: well uh that's kind of a, a murky story too. <laughs>
0: um, I,
2: I always uh, imagined that uh I thought I'd like to be like uh, Bob Newhart in the old Bob Newhart show where he was a uh, a, a therapist. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I wound up getting a a, a master's degree in uh, counseling and clinical social work. Uh and uh quickly discovered that uh um, I couldn't pay my bills, and I couldn't stand going to work every day.
0: <laughs> that's uh, that's two things that make life tough.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could put up with not earning a lot of money if I found the work extraordinarily satisfying, and uh, vice versa. If I was just making money hand over fist, and I, I couldn't stand the work, I could find other ways to entertain myself with all that loot. But uh, when I dreaded going to work and uh, I couldn't feed my family, it was uh, not a good scene. Uh, Anyway, to make a long story short, uh, I decided to figure out how to get myself into dental school. And I did and uh, never looked back.
0: And that was the interesting point I was hoping we'd get to because here's the, the dentist that is a pipe collector. Yes. There we go. All right. Your love affair with Sassini Pipes. Let's get to the really good stuff. Uh, okay. When did your love affair begin? Uh,
2: well, uh, when I, um, as I said, roughly 20 years ago, uh, kind of had this uh, uh, rebirth of uh, interest in Pipes, um, as is my... Uh, want, I suppose. Uh, I I kind of w- jumped in with both feet and uh, it was very kind of impulsive and scattered and all over the map. Um, and the internet was around and it was so easy to just point and click. And yeah. before I knew it, I had amassed a a huge assortment of pipes, most of which were crap, (laughs) uh, but included some nicer pipes, uh, um, including Sassini pipes. Um, And I had also the opportunity with the the, um, miracle of the internet, so to speak to start uh, virtually meeting people, uh, I- including some uh, folks who were serious and knowledgeable collectors. Uh, and I have to confess, I, I, I do enjoy picking people's uh, brains and, um, and learning stuff. And uh, that's what I started to do. And it helped to uh, refine my tastes a little bit and learn about what this stuff is. Uh, And uh, as I started to do that, I realized that um, these uh, Sassini pipes really were were a fabulous thing, and I thought were uh, a tremendously um, underappreciated treasure. Uh, so I began to, um, I, I kind of do this. It, it's interesting now that we think about <laughs> it. Uh, I, another one of my many bizarre, uh, idiosyncrasies is I, I started collecting autographs at one point. I think a lot of us in this, uh, in this hobby have a
0: collector, uh, Neuroses. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> uh,
2: and when I started to collect autographs, the same thing happened. I was all over the map. I had, uh, you know, Samuel Clemens autograph and uh, astronauts and uh, uh, I don't know, you know the, the composers and uh, just everything and everywhere and. I started talking to um, one of the uh, uh, auction dealer houses that uh, I was working with, and the guy said to me, you know, this is no way to collect autographs. You're just, (laughs) you're you're a scatterbrain. (laughs) (laughs) What you really ought to do is decide on a focus, and then you can enjoy the stuff of your focus and he was 100% right uh and just like uh we now know in pipe collecting that uh you, you know I, I know you had uh, Neil Archer Ronan uh not too long ago and yeah. he loves his blue ribbons and um uh, we know people who like uh, straight grain pipes or who like uh, bamboo uh, shanks in their pipes or a particular pipe maker or a particular pipe shape or what it, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, the same thing uh, was happening to me with the autographs. I decided to just focus on, in in this case, uh, U.S. presidents. So I sold off everything else that I might have had, and I just focused on presidential autographs. I learned what made them more collectible or less collectible, which varied with different people, but I started to teach myself about it. And the same thing with pipes, I started to learn about the history of pipes and pipe making and pipe collecting. And then I started to learn more about Sassini's. Uh, And uh, uh, all that uh, uh, little uh, the nuances and trivia and background is just the sort of um, minutiae that uh, that I find um, fascinating.
0: That's a perfect place for us to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the minutiae and maybe the uh, the mindset of the collectors. Uh, stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute.
4: Have a look in your tobacco cellar, what do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste, and whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like, and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes in faithful service of the hobby.
0: We are back on the Pipes Magazine Radio Show, visiting with uh, Pipe Collector Brian Silverman, and so you've got you got a master's degree in counseling, and I think this might be a good a good uh, a good topic for a few minutes here. But you're you so you're talking about the 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 collector's mindset and. Do you think you really need to, I mean, if you really focus your collection, then you start to really understand those those real intimate differences in each piece even more and more, correct? I think
2: so.
4: And,
0: and, is, and that's not something that's, <laughs> I don't want to say that that's a standard. <laughs> that's not a standard trait that most people have.
2: No, I think... Um... I think that um, certain folks, uh, you know, there are uh, good, there's maladaptive behavior and there's adaptive behavior. Uh, And I think, uh, for uh, lack of a better description, I think collectors and dentists, for that matter, uh, have a certain... uh, obsessive compulsive uh (laughs) character yeah uh you know in dental work you are doing meticulously detailed work in a tiny space uh and uh it requires a lot of focus and attention to detail uh, and collectors um, glory in the nomenclature and the, uh, the uh, rarity of certain uh, deviations from uh, the typical uh, things that you see in a nomenclature or uh, uh, shapes that are very unusual for a certain uh, carver uh, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, if you look at, uh, even, uh, pipe smokers, favorite detective, Sherlock Holmes, uh, the great detectives are great because, uh, they see what everyone else is overlooking. It's not that they're so smart. It's that they see what the other people fail to observe and it jumps out at them, uh, because they're compulsive about things that are out of order uh, <laughs> and uh, that's why uh, that's why we all need therapy Brian. <laughs> <We're
0: crazy. laughs> yes, we are, but we're happy crazy yes. um, all right so let, let's go back to the Sassinis you uh, know first of all, how many do you have now?
2: Uh, I've pared it down to probably a couple hundred. I don't know.
0: And <laughs> pared it down to a couple hundred. <laughs> I, I'm laughing because, um, can you just kind of talk us through the, a little bit of the history of Sassini? I know that, you know, I know that Joel Sassini worked for Alfred Dunhill and then left.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, I mentioned just uh, two as an aside, um, There is uh, just a a terrific article uh, written by a fellow named Stephen Smith uh, that you can uh, uh, find on the internet uh, without much trouble. Uh, Stephen Smith is, uh, I don't know if he still uh, works at uh, Peretti's uh, tobacco shop in Boston, but uh, he for years did work there if he doesn't still. And he is himself a uh, uh, a Sassini collector and uh, very uh, very knowledgeable. And wrote uh, what I, many Sassini collectors think of as sort of the uh, 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 a, a gold standard of of sorts uh, on uh, the history and collectability of Sassini pipes. I would encourage anyone who has any interest to look that up. But uh, uh, yes, Jules Sassini, uh, who uh, uh, founded the company in, uh, uh, I guess it was uh, probably the late teens or early 20s, uh, you know, 1920s, um, worked for Dunhill and I believe worked for Sheraton before Dunhill. uh decided to strike out on his own uh and um and did uh apparently almost as soon as he uh, started out his factory burned down uh to the ground Uh, uh undaunted he uh he uh started over uh and um Uh, The story goes that when he first uh, began uh, making pipes, uh, he decided, uh, a la Dunhill, to, to, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, decorate his pipes uh, and kind of imitated the uh, dot on the uh, stem. Uh, He decided a blue dot. Uh, you know, rather than the white dot uh, for Dunhill in order to uh, distinguish Sassini. Uh, But uh, as you might imagine, Dunhill wasn't very keen uh, about the uh, uh, infringement on their logo. And uh, there was some kind of uh, legal entanglement. Uh, So that uh, that Uh, decorative uh, uh, scheme was very short lived. Uh, And uh, that uh, single blue dot uh, was uh, on the top of the stem. And then uh, they moved it to the side of the stem. uh, And then they moved it to one on each side of the stem. Uh, These, uh th- this era was very, very short-lived, and uh, these, um, uh, these pipes are uh, very rare, uh, especially the yeah. ones where the single dot is on the side or on both sides. Uh, they're among the most highly collectible of all Sassini pipes. Um, the one dots on top are uh, n- not as rare, but still quite rare. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, Don Hill didn't like the whole business. And, uh, <laughs> at some point, uh, I think it was, uh, I want to say in the middle 20s, that sounds- they decided on the four dot scheme.
0: And yeah, that, that, uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. And- uh, and. And then that kind of set the standard for what most people see as the as the early you know the the Sassini four dot was was around for a long time until I guess when they sold the business and then the dots got bigger or, or changed colors or something weird happened.
2: Uh yeah the the four dot uh the four dot arrangement uh lasted uh I think until this day uh but there were a few major uh uh, timeline changes uh the first was uh right around uh, world war ii uh which uh was uh, when joel sassini died uh and his son alfred took over the business uh at that time the uh the, the nomenclature underwent a dramatic change uh people talk about the so-called uh, uh fishtail uh, script uh, where the the word sassini had a very kind of florid uh uh, uh design to it yeah. uh and uh Mm-hmm. Then uh, when Alfred took over, the uh, the stamp was uh, a totally different kind of stamp. Uh, so that immediately identifies uh, the four dot as uh, a, a post-war pipe. Um, uh, also, uh, as you may very well know, uh, Sassini uh, made like a, a premium eight dot pipe where Mm -hmm. they had four dots on either side. uh, Which also uh, was run through uh, uh, most of the run of the four dot uh, pretty much up until the wartime. Um, But uh, at at that uh, Alfred era, Uh, the arrangement of the dots changed a little bit uh they got the dots increased in size and the diamond went from sort of an elongated more to an equilateral shape uh and uh and then uh at some point uh i can't remember we'd have to look at uh steven's uh stephen smith's article but some point in the more modern history uh the company uh, alfred sold the company uh and the company went from making uh a a high grade phrased and hand finished pipe to no longer uh having the same kind of rigorous uh, uh standards uh, four Dots were known, for instance, for never having uh, pits or fills. Uh, Sassini, like so many of the other big brands, did have uh, seconds. Uh, so any of the pipes that uh, didn't meet the standards uh, could be sold as seconds, but were not sold as Four Dots. The, uh, the non-family era pipes is a, a whole different animal.
0: Yeah, so it's similar in life in lifespan to what happened to Kamoy's and Barling, where once yes. the once the family lost control of it, uh, the uh, the thing that Sassini did that I also really liked was they didn't have shape numbers at the beginning; they named their shapes after towns.
2: Uh, well, you're you're mostly correct. Okay, uh, good. They, they did. They started the towns. Uh, um, not at the very beginning, uh, they did have shape numbers at the very beginning, uh, but they decided to adopt the town names pretty early on. So uh, 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 you're basically right. It's just a, a little fine detail there, but the uh, the town names are. are absolutely one of their uh, uh trademark uh moves so uh, uh they're uh, pretty much all uh in fact that's another uh, distinguishing feature which is um the uh, one dots uh, none of those have town names because they yeah. predate th- that uh, uh, uh development uh, and there are uh, very uh, early four dots that may not have town names. Uh, so if you found a four dot without a town name, you know you have a, a, a very early example.
0: Now, as because uh, <laughs> we're running, we're running out of time. Uh, what are some of your favorite Sassini shapes?
2: Uh, my favorite shapes uh, are um, either the ones that I f- love to smoke, or the ones that I are really tough to find. <laughs> uh, uh, the ones that are tough to find are uh, panel shapes. Uh, there's one uh, called the Arundel. Mm-hmm. Uh, In fact, if you go to uh, Steve Smith's uh, article, he has a picture of an early eight-dot Arundel, courtesy of GLPs. And uh, I wound up acquiring that pipe from Greg.
5: Uh,
2: It's a beauty. Uh, And they're as rare as hen's teeth. Uh, There's another one called uh, uh, Lincoln, which is... uh, Uh, another uh, panel shape, which is a tough one to find. Uh, But uh, um, I tend not to care for the pot shape. uh, And, you know, uh, you can't go wrong with a billiard, you can't go wrong with a, uh, you know, half bent or uh, even the full bents, you know, I, I don't care for an new Paul. Uh, but uh, they're they're fabulous smokers. That's the other thing that uh, Joel Sassini, uh, I think learned from his uh, history at Dunhill was the oil curing. Uh, you know, I, I have an old uh, uh, like uh, from the 1930s and uh, an old uh, catalog from Sassini where he says that uh, trained girls sit before small compartments of the ovens, continually readjusting the positions of the pipes uh, and wiping away moisture. Uh, I, I've been searching my whole life for trained girls. I don't know where <laughs> he found these people. but uh, they, uh, they were very particular about uh, how they prepped the briar. And these pipes, they just, you know, if they haven't been fouled over all the years uh, between when they were made and now, they're just fabulous smokers.
0: (laughs) So for, for somebody looking to find a, a, just a good example of a Sassini uh, it's safe to say that if they, if they find one with the long tail logo and a city and a city is the shape name, that's probably a pretty good era, and you're safely away from after Alfred sold the company.
2: Uh, uh, well, it's definitely uh, before Alfred sold the yeah. company. But even if it doesn't have that fishtail logo, it's, it, 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 the, the other um, uh, giveaway is if it says four dot and the word four is spelled out f-o-u-r it's an alfred era pipe if it's the a numeral four uh it, it's one of the crappier pipes uh so it doesn't have to have the fishtail logo uh it can have the later sestini stamp but you want to see the word for spelled out uh, it, it, it's still a top quality family era pipe. It's just not as old, maybe not quite as collectible, but it's still a, a fine smoker.
0: And before we finish this up, you do have other pipes in your collection besides Sassini's, right? N- yes, many. <laughs> yeah. So, but this is, I mean, when I saw your collection on display in Chicago, I just had to stop and look at them because the detail of them, the way they were all lined up and laid out. And it was, it was just, uh, it looked like, it looked like a Sassini museum had just been dropped off in Chicago. But anyway, it made made me drool for a while. So thank you. Um, There was a, there was a dry cleaning bill afterwards, but. (laughs) Uh, Brian, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready?
2: Hold it. Before we do that, I yeah. just wanted to mention, too, I didn't realize uh, at the very beginning, but uh, Joel Sassini is one of the few people that I am aware of in our uh, little hobby who uh, happens to be Jewish. And yeah. I, I, I kind of was tickled by that. Uh, so anyway, I just throw that. Here's
0: your, here's your fast five. Are you ready? Let her go. This one should be easy for you. What is your favorite pipe?
2: Uh, you'd think it's easy, but it isn't. Uh, (laughs) the, the honest answer is my favorite pipes are not so much the pipe, but they're gifts and make me think of the person who gave it to me. So there is no
0: fun favorite. That's a deep, nice answer. Uh, What is your favorite tobacco? Uh,
2: I would say um, that is Old uh, Foursquare, Curly's being the favorite.
0: The Old Dobie? Yes. Wow. What is your favorite drink?
2: Oh, uh, malt whiskey, scotch.
0: And when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music?
2: Uh, jazz music.
0: And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe-smoking-related memory?
2: Uh, I would say gathering with the beautiful, wonderful friends that I've uh, met at the Chicago show and have enjoyed for 15 or more years uh, it, it has been a life changing experience for me
0: any chance the uh, the entire Sassini collection might come out and be displayed again
2: uh, if, if I were asked I suppose I would uh... go <laughs> uh,
0: if you want to see the article you can go to pipepedia.org and look up Sassini the entire uh, the entire article is there, plus pictures of a couple of the pipes. So even even the, uh, the the Arundel from GLPs that you now own is on Pipepedia. So you've got a couple of famous pipes.
2: It's a great article. Uh, uh, I've been to Paredes uh, a couple of times, but unfortunately uh, Steve wasn't working when I was there. I, I hope to shake his hand one day.
0: Brian Silverman, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for the beautiful collection, and uh, I, I hope to see it again soon.
2: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
5: We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell and Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenay's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell and Deals Cellar Series, the secret ingredient, is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. <laughs> This
3: is Internet Radio,
5: and
0: we are back on the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Go to uh, Pipepedia, Pipepedia and uh, read that Sassini article. It's really a good read. All right, for music, uh, Ian Anderson of Jethro Tull fame uh, did a solo album a while back. Uh, this one is called <laughs> Homo Eraticus, and I thought it was time to play him a little, play him again. This song is called. New blood, old veins.
3: New blood, old veins, bringing in the new dawn. Like it, lump it, old trips with hurry on. Let's get to the tempest find a of cheap car affordable. there, Tours of the land of Johnny Paine New blood, old brains Kids can't wait to be gone Next door jealous neighbours Peeping through the curtains strong Half-timbered Morris traveller off the luggage in the pan
0: smoking uh, flautist singer songwriter Ian Anderson from the album homo erraticus
3: you, Daddy, have
0: In the mailbag, if you have a comment or question, you can go to PipesMagazine.com and go to the radio show page, click on that episode, and leave it right there, and I will uh, try to get it on the air. Or you can email me directly, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com. And going back to last week with the law dog, Robert Lawing, uh, Dino writes I really enjoyed all aspects of this week's show I think people sometimes mistake The tang of a good Virginia for tongue bite And if I'm smoking something That I know might get too hot I always have an iced drink To ease the sting Ouch. Um, Law Dog was thoroughly entertaining The piston was terrific I too loved the God-Friended Me show. It was an incredible ensemble of actors who portrayed characters who are, as you said, nice. I never missed an episode. TV will be less rich now that it's gone, thanks Dino. And on that note, I did uh, send off an email to CBS and tell them that I wasn't happy with it being gone. Uh, Wade H writes, uh, "Great show, Brian. I'm a pipe maker myself, and I always enjoy listening to other pipe makers speak about their contributions to our hobby." Your advice about tongue bite was spot on. Uh, Greg Pease brings up a chemistry aspect to tongue bite that when tobacco burns too hot, it raises the pH and can actually cause an alkaline chemical burn. I've been smoking a pipe since 1979. For the first 10 years. Tobacco bite or tongue bite was a, was a concert companion of mine. I was smoking aromatics right out of the pouch or can and constantly had problems with the pipe gurgling and biting my tongue. I was also dumping the ash constantly throughout the bowl and ended up with a quarter bowl of gooey dottle. I had an old timer, an English expat that had lived in South Africa for the previous 40 years, step in and school me. He steered me away from the aromatic blends and into the Virginia vapor and English blends. He told me that almost all tobacco is shipped at a moisture level that is great for storing and aging the tobacco, but too wet for smoking. So I started spreading my tobacco out on a piece of paper and letting it dry before smoking it, if it needed it. Uh, It's perfect when it's still pliable but not sticking together when pinched. It should not feel cold to the touch. He said the perfect smoke is all about temperature control. He explained that the tamped ash creates an insulation layer on top of the tobacco that helps to regulate the temperature. It also diffuses the flame to allow relighting the last quarter of the bowl. Otherwise, it will light only the bit that is over the air hole. I became an ash tamper rather than an ash dumper, and smoking successfully all the way to the bottom of the bowl. I'm happy to say that his advice kept me in the hobby. I was on the verge of throwing in the towel at the time, and I've now been overwhelmingly tongue-bite-free for the past 30 years. I pass on what I learned from this gentleman every chance I get. It's invaluable knowledge that we, who are now old-timers, owe to the new pipe smokers, uh, I still get bit once in a blue moon, but a certain amount goes with the territory. It really only happens when I get careless and let things heat up. So there's a lot of good advice in there, especially about keeping the ash on there. Uh, let's see. Uh, going back also to uh, Law Dog, uh, Mike S. writes, uh, Robert is a great guy. I've had the pleasure of chatting him up at NASPC shows. And uh, what else was in here? i um, Oh, uh, Java 3 writes, I never met the law dog before and thoroughly enjoyed the show. It was like I did meet him. Another smooth interview with Brian L. at the helm as well. Take the bow, guys. Well, thank you very much. Don't think I'll bow too much. Uh, Last week's uh, bonus show was uh, Vintage Watches with uh, Christian from Theo and Harris. And uh, I enjoyed the time I got to chat with uh, Christian afterwards and and a little bit before. But uh, Renfield wrote, uh, thanks for another enjoyable look at a random corner of things. These shows are entertaining and much appreciated. Now I just need to keep telling myself I don't need a Speedmaster. <laughs> and then Sonorisis writes, I have a friend who said for years that he didn't need a Speedmaster. Proves that positive affirmations formed with negative syntax don't work. His Speedmaster is really nice. (laughs) And I, uh, I enjoy mine too. Uh, in fact, you will see, uh, if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, you will see one of my Speedmasters yesterday because I've been doing, just for fun, a t-shirt a day posting on uh, Instagram and Facebook. And uh, it, was just a, it was just a fun project because I was sitting there looking at all the t-shirts that I own and going, yeah, do I really wear all these? Well, what I did was I took all of them, 90 plus t-shirts randomized them and had assistance with randomizing them even further and folded them in order and then i'm gonna wear one a day and sometimes it'll be pipe smoking related sometimes it won't but it'll just be fun so anyway follow me on facebook or instagram for that all right once again comments questions email me brian at PipesMagazine.com if you have any uh uh, if you have any travel-related questions, email me, brian.levine at mei-travel.com, and uh, I'll be happy to help you out with whatever I can. All right, rant time is coming up next.
5: This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Corn Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri.
0: Just on cue, like I had planned it, which I didn't, you heard at the end of the last segment, you heard my ring doorbell thing going off, and you've heard it a lot in the last uh, few shows or so. Well, that's because in these days, there's been a lot more people walking on the streets, and normally when I record the shows or record the interviews... You know, normally it's in the middle of the day when things are quiet and I don't get that many th- you know, many bells going off or stuff like that. Or if I record in the evening, I hardly get any. Well, in these days, there's been a lot of people walking on the streets, a lot of kids are home, and they've been out playing. So the ring doorbell's been going crazy, so with that, I apologize, but... Um, hey, these are just the, you know, these are the days, and uh, yes, I know I could, I could put it on a snooze, and I try to remember to do that, but then I snooze it, and then I forget how long I snoozed it for, and then it goes off, and so on, and so on, and so on, so, I mean, these are the days, and then eventually everybody will go back into their normal routines, and the middle of the day will be nice and quiet here at home, Uh, and then hopefully by the evenings everybody will be home, and then, you know, it'll just go back to normal, but... Let's just say in my neighborhood, uh, there, it, it's been regular to see more people walking on the streets than cars driving down the streets lately. Uh, speaking of walking on the streets, we've been doing that a lot and I've uh, been taking my pipe with me. And I figure that if people don't like the smoke, the smell of my pipe, well, then they should social distance their asses away from me, right? makes perfect sense to me so been out taking a lot of walks with our pipe with my pipe and enjoying that and especially now that the weather's starting to warm up it's getting nicer and nicer and there goes the bell again even as i tried to snooze it before so there you go all right <laughs> enough uh, enough of that remember brand new episodes of the pipes magazine radio show are posted at 8 p m eastern time and they are made available for listening anytime after that all of them are still available on uh, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, don't know what's going on with Stitcher, or you can go right to pipesmagazine.com and listen to them there. So. Thank you to uh, Jeff for joining me. Thank you to Brian for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time.
5: He's fine a bomb did a bomb did a bomb
3: did a bomb did a bomb a song and a about sunny weather Happy
5: trails to, to you
2: I love my pipe wrapped in spandex.